Attempt blocked by McNabb. To the right circle, a try, kick, save Hill. Rebound, another try, save Hill. A third try, save, and the rebound to the right corner. Nobody is ever satisfied with one, so we're back for a second hour of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Blob boots it ahead, sticks it left, Barbashev in, back to the right, a shot, score! Marcia so, 19 seconds in. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studio and live at LVSportsNetwork.com, here is Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in, hour number two of the VGK Insider Show. VGK Insider Show is brought to you by the Dollar Loan Center, where your first loan is on us. Apply for free at don'tbebroke.com to get up to $5,000. Ryan Wallace hanging out inside T-Mobile Arena. Chris Chapman back inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. And joining us now, Danny Webster, the Las Vegas son, a good friend of the show, a frequent um, co-host if you will a, a frequent guest of the vgk pregame show as well and we're going to dig in a little bit here with danny on the golden knights mark stone the injury uh and this game tonight against the toronto maple leafs danny how you doing doing good gents how we doing well uh pretty good i mean obviously things could be better from an injury perspective for the golden knights um let's start there mark stone Week to week right now with an upper body injury sustained in the second period on Tuesday night after a hit from Yakov Trenin in the second period. Uh, how do you get through this stretch without the captain? Uh, that's the only, the immediate answer I can think of is revert back to last year when Mark Stone goes down with his eventual second back surgery and they have to play the final 39 games without him. Of course, they had that first stretch uh, when he went down, and they went 2-6-2 before the break, and they go 22-4-5 the rest of the way. And Bruce Cassidy, when I asked him about it this morning, he said, well, we'd love to replicate that, but obviously that is easier said than done. So I guess going forward, the best answer that Bruce could come up with, and I, and I do agree with him on this, it's going to have to come from the middle of the pack guys. And he mentioned Michael Amadio, uh, Paul Cotter, Nick Haig, Zach Whitecloud. Now that Shea Theodore is back in the fold, he might be put in that mix as well. Those guys are going to need to take on a more brunt of the load going forward because you already know what you're getting from the top six right now. And, and you know what Alex Martinez and Alex Petrangelo are going to give you from a first pairing standpoint. So, it is going to be more uh, more hinged on the depth going forward. It is going to be more uh, pertinent for those middle six guys, those bottom six guys that they're calling up from Henderson to kind of get things going, keep the ball rolling here, because now you don't know how long Mark Stone is going to be out for. You know you're eventually going to get Jack Eichel back, mm-hmm. but replacing that heart and soul, that emotion, that Mark Stone brings as your captain, that's something that's going to need to be collectively produced throughout the other guys in the lineup. So definitely a tall task for them, but I think if there's any solace that the Golden Knights and any fans can take into this, they did it last year. I don't know if it can be at the same level, but they did it last year, and it worked out pretty well for them. You know, in terms of, let's just use Paul Cotter, Michael Amadio, Keegan Colasar, those three players in particular – what do you need from them 
right? Like Because you're not necessarily asking Keegan Colasar to go out there and be a point-of-game player. You're not necessarily asking Michael Amadio or Paul Cotter to be a point-of-game player to try to replace that offense that you're losing with Mark Stone. So what do you need truly on a night-in, night-out basis from those three? I think you just need consistency and you need mistake-free hockey. And, of course, mistakes are going to happen throughout the course of the game, right? Like It's bound to happen, especially for a young player like Paul Cotter, for someone who may not have had as many minutes as Michael Amadio, Keegan Colstar now getting put into a top-six role pretty much by default. You're you're going to get those mistakes. I think it's just a matter of limiting those mistakes on a consistent basis going forward and especially for a guy like Paul Cotter who worked his way as you know technically the veteran from last year who played 50 some odd games to now getting a spot to be a full-time guy this is a good opportunity for him to prove that he deserved that spot coming out of training camp and you know obviously there 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 are those chances for those other guys as well but I'm looking at Cotter specifically as someone who has that scoring touch, that scoring ability, that ability to make plays offensively to kind of take over that role that they need from a middle six perspective. And I do think that getting a guy like Amadio, who's been very good at both ends of the ice this year, now he gets a more heightened role as that really that shutdown winger slash center 200-foot player that Mark Stone is, and it's obviously – you know, apples to oranges, comparing them, it's night and day, but there is that opportunity for him to be that guy. So at at this point, it's just about not making, you know, typical mistakes that you would make in your own zone, not overthinking it, and just playing your game to a normal, consistent level. And that's basically what Bruce is looking for right now is just consistency from those guys. It doesn't necessarily, like you mentioned, doesn't need to be a point per game a night. Danny, we, we obviously focus on Jack Eichel, Mark Stone, William Carrier being out of the lineup. But how much is a guy like Pavel Dorofeyev being missed right now? Because it seems like middle of the of the lineup is where you really need to, to, to get some big performances from your from, from those guys. So how much do they miss having Pavel Dorofeyev to, to be able to slot in there? I think they missed him a great deal just, just for the fact that he was playing so well before he got hurt, and he was really coming into his own at both ends. You know, Obviously, being a rookie, he's going to struggle on the defensive end, but I do think that there was a lot to like as far as both ends of the ice for Dorofeyev, and just the threat of having that offense, that shot that he possesses, I think is very crucial uh, to what the Golden Knights need, and now you need to kind of find that uh, elsewhere for the time being. And, you know, uh, the unfortunate thing is that Bruce, Bruce Cassidy said today that he's not making any progress from when we last asked him for an update on Dorf Fave about a week and a half ago. So that obviously, the, the concern goes to that. But, you know, most definitely, he is someone who I think has shown that he can provide a spark offensively when you need it. And when you don't have it, in your middle six from that perspective, that definitely hurts. So, you know, I, I don't know if we haven't really talked about Dorfeyev enough from that aspect, but he's definitely played his way to providing that impact that could desperately be needed on this group right now. Danny Webster with the Las Vegas Sun joining us here as we navigate the news on Mark Stone. He's out week to week with an upper body injury. Brett Houghton also out day to day 
with an injury, will not play tonight for the Vegas Golden Knights. So you're missing Eichel and Carrier, Howden, and Stone. Also, Pavel Dorofiev, as we were just talking about. Um, so, Danny, I'm going to ask you an impossible question to answer. Uh, so have fun with this one, buddy. Can All you right. tell me what week-to-week and day-to-day mean to you? <laughs> um, day-to-day, I think, sounds more on the cusp of if you reach day six, you're still day-to-day, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you if you get to day seven, then you start to be week to week. Which then, if you get to uh, week to week, sounds like it could go for fifty two weeks a year, right? Technically speaking, because uh, <laughs> I, I mean I, I I was talking about this with with somebody earlier today. Mm-hmm. Remember when Mark Andre Fleury got hurt in year one, mm-hmm. and right after the third game against or the fourth game against Detroit, yeah, and we didn't really know. Uh, we we kind of had an idea of what it was, obviously. Sure. Yeah. But when when we approached Gerard Gallant about it, uh, I think it was like maybe four days later, and I don't know if he maybe misinterpreted the question, but he said something along the like, "Oh yeah, he'll be back in about five days," and that five days turned into a week, and then another week, and then a week, another week, another week, and then we realized, oh, okay, maybe it wasn't. It could be day to day, but that's a lot of days on top of being day to day. So, <laughs> trying to interpret the meaning of week to week um, is really the uh, the interesting part about that because it could be it could be eight weeks, it could be twelve weeks, it could be however long it needs to be. It could be ten weeks, which leads up to April seventeenth come playoff time. So, there are a yeah. lot of interpretations you can think of when you're talking about week to week as opposed to day to day. Yeah, you're you're not wrong there. So, um, let's talk about some positive news in terms of injuries, or at least something that felt positive from earlier today with Bruce Cassidy. He didn't commit to Jack Eichel being on the trip uh, for the upcoming five-game road trip, but he said that there's an option. It's on the table, and if it's on the table, you're not going to have somebody travel if they're not going to be able to play conceivably in that stretch. So what would it mean especially now with Mark Stone out of the lineup, especially given what Vegas did last year. And Jack Eichel, for large stretches with with Mark Stone out, was the best player on the ice every night for the Golden Knights and and helped them to that record down the stretch. How important would it be to get Jack Eichel back in the fold here? It it would be huge on a couple of fronts. One, if you're able to get him back on that road trip, I, I know it sounds cliche when you talk about the leadership group and the veteran group in there, but... When he's on the ice and he's playing road games, Jack Eichel wears that other A. And I think when you're down your captain, you need that more more of that veteran presence, that leadership, especially on the road. And I, and I think given where Jack Eichel has produced the best as far as what we've seen invol- involving his leadership has been what he does on the road as that leader, as that guy that you can go to to win you games away from home. So I think that part is important. The other part of it is especially kind of tied into that. This five-game road trip, I think, is going to be very crucial. And, and there are some winnable games in this mark here, but you still have to deal with Toronto again about a week from today or about six days from today. Mm-hmm. And then you got to play Buffalo. And, you know, Buffalo obviously has kind of taken a fall, but that game is emotional from the standpoint of we know who's on the other side that's facing their former team. And if Jack is available to go for that game, obviously the emotion revs up for that one as well. So the, the importance of getting Jack back for that five-game stretch would be paramount considering who's on the other side of that 
when you return, which would be the Vancouver Canucks for a very important division game. So getting him back at any point for this stretch would be crucial, and getting him back with enough games under with enough reps to lead into when you return home for that big game against Vancouver, I think would be astronomically huge. Now, obviously, the the chances of I, I don't know if the chances are thin because you got to rev him up like with the team over these next couple of weeks, which I think is obviously going to it'll obviously happen. But just the fact that he's coming off a lower body surgery the way that he is. I think we do need to temper expectations just a little bit for that. But if he does come back for that trip, it, it helps in the room, it helps on the ice, and it helps in production as far as what you need without Mark Stone. So all, really all three of those factors you check off instantly. We've seen Aiden Hill the last couple nights look human, maybe for the first time since he's been here in Vegas. So. He played really well in the third period against Nashville the other night. So how important is it for him and the team for him to carry that over into tonight's game? Uh, it's huge. It is the first time he's lost three in a row since he's been with Vegas, which, you know, ultimately the injuries play a part in that. But when you think about it, he has not lost three starts in a row uh, until he got here, until this past week is kind of mind-boggling if you think about it. Um it, it, it's definitely huge, especially given the opponent that's coming in. Obviously, Toronto is on the second night of a back-to-back. They played in Arizona last night, and Austin Matthews is on the verge of scoring 150 goals this year. Like, it, it, there, there are a lot of factors <laughs> into this, and Toronto is just a high-powered offensive machine. So this is going to be important, I think, in terms of not just for Aiden Hill, but in terms of the Golden Knights playing a strong foundational defensive game, which we really haven't seen through the totality, maybe outside of the Edmonton game and maybe the Arizona game coming out of the break. We have not really seen a defensive totality game from the Golden Knights since coming back from the break. And I think this is an important game, not only because you need to play a strong defensive game without Mark Stone. Now you're going to need to rely on your sixth defenseman, you're going to need to re- rely on turning defense into offense tonight. But even just for Aiden Hill, because a couple of goals the other night, the first one especially was not a good look, and then a couple of the other ones, you know, you can't really do much with screens in front, but those were some that he would normally make. So I think if he's able to get into a rhythm early and they're able to rely on their defense and play a sound defensive game tonight, that's going to go a long way, I think, not only just, ensuring that you can win without Mark Stone and Jack Eichel on it. But the fact that you're able to correct the mistakes from the other night and translate it into a very good opponent in Toronto heading into this trip. From goaltending, we move now to defense. And, you know, something I thought was interesting earlier today with Bruce Cassidy is that when he talked about that that middle pack that you need more of and, and mentioned Paul Cotter and Michael Amadio and, and Keegan Colasar, he, he also brought up Zach Whitecloud and Nick Haig. Like, it's not terribly surprising to me that, that there's a challenge being levied to those two players, but why do you think Bruce specifically brought them up, and how do they need to raise the level of their game? I think the ultimate reason why he brought them up is because you've seen without Shea Theodore for the last two and a half, three months now, the, the bulk of what they needed to do from the blue line has come well, it's come from Braden McNabb. So when you have those two really bulking the minutes here, you now 
find yourself in a position where you need, you know, what what has been dubbed the best third pairing in the league to really take that next step. And, you know, you you look at the eye test, Zach Whitecloud and Nick Haig have played fairly solid, I feel. There, there have been a couple of lapses here and there as far as their coverages and, and things of that nature, but they've really been solid overall throughout this season, I think, when you look at the eye test. I don't think, you know, looking at the numbers I did the other day, you know, they're, they're not really reflective of that. Mm-hmm. But I think as far as the leadership aspect, focusing more on a defensive sound game, which is what Bruce wants going forward, I think it's going to be imperative on those guys, especially because now you're getting Shea Theodore back. You're taking the load off of Alex Petrangelo from what he's done in all three phases, and now you bring Shea Theodore back to kind of take the pressure off of him. Now I think with Theodore back, and I think he still needs to kind of work his way back probably a couple more games to kind of get to full peak Shea Theodore that we know, mm-hmm. getting, getting Nick Haig and Zach Whitecloud to play those consistent five-on-five uh, minutes to give those two especially some extra rest and because they're going to need to play more minutes, maybe more minutes for Petrangelo on the PK than we anticipated before, maybe more PK minutes from McNabb. So those three especially, and including Alec Martinez, I should put him in that category as well on the PK, mm-hmm. they're going to be taxed a lot, especially if they're on the PK a lot. So it's going to come down to those two especially to really be – more driving the offense, especially if they're going to turn defense into offense. And, you know, we've seen it in stints with those guys. So I, I do think that it's good that Bruce has kind of laid the challenge out for those guys. And if those and those guys are definitely capable of rising to the occasion and getting to that next level of what they need to do. So I think that if that message is coming from Bruce, those guys, especially with how well their mindset is, are willing to take on that challenge. You know, Danny, when you look at, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, obviously, Austin Matthews is getting a lot of the play right now. 51 goals in 54 games for Matthews. He's got nine goals over his last four games. The The most surprising thing to me isn't necessarily the hat tricks, though he's got six so far this season. Could have had his seventh last night in Arizona. Uh, it's the fact that all 51 goals have come with a goaltender in net. Like, he has zero empty net goals, and he's scored 51 before anyone else has 40. Like, can you contextualize how massive this season has been for Austin Matthews in terms of goal scoring? I was thinking of that, and then you brought up the fact that he hasn't scored into an empty net, and that just makes it even more mind-boggling. It's just, you know, I think it's safe to say, even though the Maple Leafs finally overcame the... 25, 30-year struggle of getting past the first round. It it was, I think, by all accounts, really a down year for Austin Matthews last year, considering what he did the year before, right? So it, it it's not surprising that he's come back and he's dominated the way it has. It just seems like it comes so effortlessly to him. It, it's insane. Of I can't imagine what it's like for a shooter when he has the puck on his stick and he just lets it go. The vision that he has to have, because most of my time I'm thinking, oh, they just let it go, and hopefully it beats the goalie. But I feel like with Austin Matthews, it is literally, once he gets the puck on his stick, he's thinking, okay, where am I going to shoot? Am I going to shoot blocker side? Am I going to shoot glove high? Where, where, where am I going? And it's like he already has his mind made up, and he, and he just knows. And I think that's the craziest thing with him, is that it just comes so effortless. effortless. And the fact that he has been able to do this 
now through 54 games and has just been dominant every turn. And, you know, he's, it seems like it, as it's inevitable he's going to hit 70. So the fact that he's able to do this right now, and really the Maple Leafs are kind of like in that up-and-down trajectory right now, and the fact that he's in at that constant level and is willing them right now to as good of a playoff spot as they're at right now is, is kind of crazy when you think about it. So it, ultimately, I definitely think he's probably get, would probably get my heart trophy vote if I had a vote today, um, just, just for the simple fact of what he's doing compared to what the rest of the team is doing. But it, it's absolutely insane what he's been able to do. All right, Byron Fraze, Mason Morelli, and Sheldon Rempel. I'm not sure if the three of them played on a line together in Henderson, but what are you expecting from those three guys tonight and if they have to play going forward? So I definitely think that line is going to be not the traditional fourth line that we've been accustomed to, and really we haven't seen the fourth line from the Golden Knights intact for quite a while now, but I I think in – in certain situations, you're going to see that line out there, and I think mainly it's going to be defensively because Byron Praise is a very good face-off player. I, I think he was winning, I think it was close to 60% of his face-offs in Henderson, if I remember correctly, and since and during his calls to the Golden Knights, he's over 55%. So there is definitely value to that area where I think if you get into a defensive zone face-off, you're going to need Byron Praise to win that. And as far as his wingers go, Sheldon Rempel has scored goals. Mason Murray had two points the other night in San Jose. That They have the capability of being not a potent fourth line, but good enough to where if they're able to get some offensive chances, they might be able to cause havoc for Toronto defensively. And, and, and I don't think the the opportunities are going to be extended there, but if they do get a chance to get out there and – Get a, get a good shift or two in the offensive zone. They've shown they have the capability of at least creating some looks. Now, I don't think it's going to happen. Like I said, I think defensively it'll be right where they need to be as far as defensive zone draws. But they've shown the capability that they can produce, and Bruce has liked them from that standpoint. So if there comes a chance, there, there could be a chance that they could produce offensively for a couple of shifts, especially early on, especially if the Knights get going as far as rolling four lines and doing what they need to do from that standpoint. Okay, so I'm going to talk about this game in particular. And, and we, we touched on Austin Matthews. We know what the injury uh, scenario is for the Vegas Golden Knights going into this one. But at the end of the day, you, you still got a game. You still got two points on the line. For the Golden Knights, two points, it's incredibly important night in and night out because you've got Edmonton right behind you, two points back, L.A., just four points back they're playing better all of a sudden so when you look at this one against Toronto who again five and oh in their last five games all without Morgan Riley who is serving a suspension uh, for cross-checking Ridley Gregg after Ridley Gregg hurt his feelings like what are you expecting out of this game from Vegas and and how do they keep it within striking distance again against an incredibly high-powered offense in Toronto yeah, I, I think it is going to have to just be you park the bus, you know, use a soccer term, park the bus, and just ensure that you do not give up anything easy offensively. Because if they're if they're if Toronto is able to get behind the defense even once or twice, they're they're more than likely scoring. And if they're able to get maybe a two goal lead early, it could get ugly. So for the Golden Knights, they cannot focus 
on just trying to win a track meet with Toronto. They cannot focus on trying to win an offensive battle. They are going to have to rely on the six guys on the blue line that they played with in the playoffs. They're going to have to rely on the bottom six guys on the forward lines to not do so much with the puck and just trust your instincts defensively and know that you can probably get opportunities going the other way because they've been so good in transition and on the rush. They're going to get those opportunities. So the first thing and foremost, they have to make sure that, one, they give Aiden Hill the support that he needs, knowing that he's been shaky, and to give him the confidence that he can go into this game knowing that he can play at his best. But at the same time, the guys in front of him need to ensure and be more alert of where the puck is, clearing the pucks out, making sure that you don't give Matthews any chance, any time in space, take that away from him, and just play a strong defensive game. That's what it's going to have to come down to, and that's really what it's going to have to be for the next 29, 30 games, however many left uh, for the Golden Knights this season. So it's going to have to go back to defensive fundamentals, and it's going to have to start tonight if they want to progress without Mark Stone going forward. It's always fun to have a little bit of fun at the expense of the Toronto Maple Leafs. So I'm going to ask this question, oh, yeah. understanding full well uh, that it's ridiculous. But as I mentioned, Toronto's 5-0 and without Morgan Riley in the lineup. He returns tonight against the Vegas Golden Knights. If Toronto loses this game, like what are the hot takes going to be tomorrow in terms of Morgan Riley, this team, and what they need to do in the future? Hot takes with the Toronto media? I, I yeah, yeah about there oh man um i i why do i feel like one of the headlines would be should morgan riley be traded tomorrow yes like that's what that's in, that's instantly the first thing that came to my mind uh you know can can the can the maple leafs win with morgan riley in the lineup are they better with morgan <laughs> riley in the lineup? i i mean i i i like to poke fun at the toronto hot takes as much as anybody uh it would just seem very apropos at this point mm-hmm. for them to rally without Morgan Riley and then suddenly he comes back into the lineup and just everything goes haywire. It would just be very apropos at that point. Will Austin Matthews score 70 goals? I think so. I, I, I doubt, it, unless he gets injured within the next you know couple of weeks, I, I just think it's so hard to stop him when he's scoring, what, six hat tricks this season. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I totally forgot he scored two last night. I thought he only had the one to get to 50. I didn't know he had <laughs> another one until I checked the stats this morning. Uh, it, it's just so crazy to think that he can't get 19 goals in, what, 28 games? So I, I, I think it I think it's going to happen for sure. What's funny about that is, like, that's a normal player season. Yeah. He's just, you know, yeah, I think he can get 19 goals in 28 games, and we're, we're talking about that as if it's just a given. That's right. how good he's been, right? Like, that's how good he's been. And, and so many players are, are, are looking for 19 goals over 82, and with Austin Matthews, it's just like, yeah, 19 and 28, yeah, not a problem. I would look for one in 19 years if I was an NHL player, <laughs> let alone one in 15 games. Holy cow. All right, Danny. Um, thanks for jumping on and, and taking some time to, to really dig into this one. Obviously, it's it's not ideal for the Golden Knights without Mark Stone, but there are avenues for this team to win. Bruce Cassidy did a great job uh, in relation to your question earlier today about where that push needs to come from, and you've done a phenomenal job kind of breaking it down further uh, this, this afternoon. Uh, where can people find your stuff, interact with you uh, if they don't already? 
yeah, you can find all my stuff at LasVegasSun.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter slash X at DannyWebster21. And uh, that's where you can find all my stories and all my uh, Toronto hot takes from uh, after this game is over. All right, buddy. Have a, have a good one tonight. All right. Thanks. I appreciate it. That's Danny Webster with the Las Vegas Sun joining us to talk all things Vegas Golden Knights, Toronto Maple Leafs. That game coming at you in about 90 minutes, so get ready to go for that. One-timers, that's coming up next on the VGK Insider Show. Carlson left corner, centered, one-timer, score! It's time for One-timers. One-timers. A quick look at news and notes from around the National Hockey League. Brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. One-timers, news and notes from around the National Hockey League. Brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. We'll keep it here with the Vegas Golden Knights, as we've mentioned a couple of times throughout the broadcast today. Mark Stone... Out week to week with an upper body injury. He left Tuesday night's game against the Predators in the second period. Late in the second period. After taking a, a big open ice hit from Yakov Trenin. So again, week to week, that is the timeline right now for Mark Stone. We don't know if that's going to be closer to the tail end of week to week or the beginning end of week to week. Really, we don't even know what week to week means sometimes in these scenarios. But uh, for the time being... It looks like the Golden Knights are going to be without Mark Stone for quite a while. Brett Howden will miss tonight's game as well. He's out day-to-day. Also an upper body injury on Brett Howden. Um, So the Golden Knights are are going into this one against Toronto. uh, Behind the eight ball from an injury perspective. Now, that brings us to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Austin Matthews, we've talked about it a couple of times. 51 goals in 54 games for Austin Matthews. He scored two last night at Mullet Arena in Arizona against the Coyotes. He's got nine goals over his last four games. 50 goals before anyone else has 40. Um, And again, like to me, the most amazing thing about this streak from Matthews, the, the most amazing thing about his 51 goals this season, there have been absolutely zero freebies there have been no free goals for austin matthews and of course i'm talking about empty netters every single goal that austin matthews has scored this season has come against a goaltender chapman i don't know that there's anything more amazing than that statistic right there for matthews well he certainly has earned all of his goals um i mean not to say that when you score an empty net goal you don't earn that i mean the anti-ovechkin yeah yeah, exactly right. I mean, I think the next one he breaks Gretzky's record. I think he's tied Gretzky's record. But mm. um, look, it's 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 pretty astounding that this guy who just has a knack to score goals and like you talked about yesterday, they're not flashy. Like no, like they're hard goals to score. So it's it, it just adds to the impressive nature of what he's doing. Like I said, man, I'm really really excited for this game tonight because. I get to see Austin Matthews. Like, we only get to see them once a year. And we know they're certainly not going to play in the Stanley Cup because that would mean that the Leafs would have to win more than one series for the first time in my lifetime, mm-hmm. your lifetime, and a lot of people's lifetimes. So enjoy your one opportunity to see Austin Matthews this year. And, and look, I look at it like if I was a fan paying to go see Michael Jordan play back when he was playing. I want to see something amazing from this guy. Like. Well, it's just, I mean, look, I'm not a fan of, of either team, but I want to see amazing stuff when I go to a hockey game. 
so you like you want to see Austin Matthews go off tonight? Is Listen, that what you're if, saying? If he goes off, oh Chapman, and the Golden Knights win, okay, it's a win-win. So like if if you're you're talking like a six-five, hey, VGK win, right? You know what? Sign me up for a six-five game. And like Morgan Riley's a minus four, and and Austin Matthews has four goals. Sign, okay, sign me up for that. So this is the other angle with this game. Morgan Riley and and we have we have talked about Morgan Riley and Ridley Gregg ad nauseum over the last couple of weeks, just as the entire hockey world has. But I cannot stress this enough, because we know how rational the media can be in Toronto. We know how rational the fan base can be in Toronto. The the Toronto Maple Leafs went five and zero. Chapman, they were perfect with Morgan Riley serving his suspension. Of course, tonight he's eligible to play. He'll be in the lineup for Toronto. If the, if the Leafs lose tonight and Riley's not very good, I cannot wait to see what we wake up to tomorrow. Well, we may not even have to wait because the Toronto media is in Vegas, so we could we could just jump on Twitter after the game and see the meltdown from Maple Leaf media. So, oh, my goodness. That might, this might be the most fun post-game show I do all year. Yeah, I mean, listen, if, if you're driving home after the game, well, you're not the one driving, but if you're in the car after the game, send Ryan all the, all the tweets from the meltdown that, that ensues if, every, if, if Toronto loses and Morgan Riley's bad. It, every single Toronto hot take I want sent <laughs> in on the text line or uh, I want you to tag me on X. Uh, okay. <laughs> You know, I like that they've leaned into this, though, and, and that they've won the five straight without Riley. Well, I, what, what else are you going to do? It just sets, up, it's a, it sets it up for a epic disaster. And, and they've been led by their best players. Like, you know, William Nylander's been phenomenal. They've got a lot of good players. I mean, well, that's... they're a really good team. It's not a perfect team by any stretch, but they're a really good team they're playing well right now they had something that kind of galvanized them in the middle of the season when they were up and down I, I think that maybe this is kind of the adversity that the Toronto needed to push them in the right direction to, to to wake them up in the middle of the season where you know the playoffs weren't a guarantee and and they've been great ever since so good on them for raising uh, themselves to the to the level of that challenge however I still think it'd be really funny if you get Morgan Riley back, you drop that first game, especially to an, an undermanned and very injured Vegas Golden Knights team. Okay, moving on from Toronto, we're going to go to uh, Chicago. Oh boy. oh, boy, oh, boy. So the Chicago Blackhawks are bad. We know that. Connor Bedard missed some time with a broken jaw. He's back in the fold. He's having some fun on the bench telling Nick Foligno that he's slow like I love that I'm, I'm all about it it's funny but Seth Jones who you remember in the offseason very famously came out and said like I want to be the captain of this team right like if if they are going to go with a captain I want to be the guy I want to be thought of as a leader I want that responsibility and that honor well he's living up to it right now this is what this is what Seth Jones said about Chicago and about complacency and about not allowing yourself to just be okay with what's happening right now, even though you're rebuilding, even though you're supposed to be a team that's at the bottom of the standings in the National Hockey League. Quote, as soon as you get comfortable losing, you're effed. End quote. 
I don't know about you, and like, listen, I've been critical before of Seth Jones, his contract, all of that stuff. I love this attitude from Seth Jones. Well, that's the attitude you want your captain to have. Sure. Like, I, I, not that we've seen Mark Stone say that, but I could see Mark Stone basically saying something similar to that if the team starts to toil in mediocrity. Mm-hmm. Like, Seth Jones wants to win. And yeah, well, and, yeah. and while I, I, I didn't necessarily think it was a great decision to go to Chicago if you wanted to win, especially as you you, you could see on the horizon what would what was coming, mm-hmm. but it doesn't change the fact that the guy wants to win. And I think if I'm if I'm the players on that Blackhawks team, that's the guy I want leading us into into a fight. Mm-hmm. Like that's the guy I want leading us out onto the ice. I want a captain who is not okay with mediocrity. He's not okay with us stinking. Even though even if we stink, I want the captain to be out there saying, Hey, look, you know what? We're not gonna get complacent with stinking. We're gonna get better. We're gonna we're gonna build a winning culture. And that's what it sounds like Seth Jones is trying to do. We're trying to build a winning culture here. And and it's it starts with it sounds like he's saying it starts with accountability. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Uh, that's that's what the the Blackhawks need a little bit more of. Uh, so let's talk about the New Jersey Devils, Chapman. Uh, I know this is <laughs> painful for let's, you. Let's not talk about what's happening tonight either. No, no, no. That's what we're talking about. Oh, boy. Because, okay, we all recognize that if you give New Jersey a goalie that's league average, they're probably comfortably in the playoffs. Do you disagree with that? I think you're probably right. Okay. We know that they've been kicking the tires on a couple of goaltenders, have not gotten to a point where they feel comfortable making that decision. They almost acquired Jacob Markstrom. Almost acquired Jacob Markstrom. Well, tonight, the New Jersey Devils have a five-minute major power play. Do not score. Yes. And then the New York Rangers go to the power play. They score like five seconds into their power play. And New Jersey's losing three to nothing. Yes. So I, I ask you this question. Are you at the point right now with the Devils where you think a change in voice in terms of coach is more impactful? Or do you still believe Lindy's the guy? Just give this team some goaltending. Well let's let's go back to the summer. Lindy was unsigned. Yeah. Following a 109-point season by the New Jersey Devils. Yeah. That told me that the front office wasn't entirely sure that Lindy was the voice that they wanted to lead this team into the future. Now, maybe I'm was, maybe i wrong on that. Maybe there's some underlying issues there mm-hmm. that did not become public. But, Ryan, they're at 60 points. They trail the Flyers by seven points. They have two games in hand on the Flyers. They trail the Red Wings by four points with... No games in hand on the Red Wings. Mm-hmm. If they don't start to turn the corner, like, tomorrow, <laughs> they could be in trouble because the longer they wait to make that move to get a goalie, mm-hmm. the harder it's going to be to get back into it. Okay. Nico Dawes has allowed three goals on 13 yeah. shots. Ugh. He wasn't it's good the other night either. 769 save percentage. The, the Devils outplayed the Capitals. Outplayed the Capitals the other six night. Two. And they lost 6-2. to two. Like, listen, I know that tempers are kind of reaching a boiling point for fans of the Devils. There's only so much Lindy Ruff can do in terms of trying to get his goaltenders to make a save. 
Their yeah. goaltending's not good enough. And, like, defensively, they, they can be better. There are things that they can do, no doubt. But if they have league average goaltending Chapman, they're comfortably in a playoff spot, and tonight's no exception to that. Yeah, they're they're a bit in in the same camp as, as the Golden Knights were mm-hmm. for a long time. I mean, they're they're missing Dougie Hamilton. You know, that's basically their Shea Theodore. Mm-hmm. So I think Golden Knight fans could probably relate to what New Jersey's certainly when they played Vegas, Bruce Cassidy relayed that he understood what it was like to deal with what they were dealing with. So yeah, it's it's frustrating. I mean, me as a guy who who pays attention to the Devils, probably more so than than most people outside of Dan Duva, who who also grew up a Devils fan. But I mean, it's 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 frustrating because you know that this team has the firepower to make a push. But I feel like maybe they're they're being let down a little bit in a couple of different areas, and I'm not sure when or what the change is going to be. Rita's not happy with you. Why is that? Because you're tempting fate. Why? How? By saying you want Matthews to go off tonight. Oh, listen, I have no power over that. I agree with you, but she's not happy with you. That's okay. I mean... Really? Yeah. You're okay with that? Because I have no power. You've upset Rita, and you're okay with that. There's no such thing as jinxes. There's no such thing as, as, uh, you know voodoo or anything like that in sports i mean if he goes off it's because he's a damn good player not because i said so so you like you're not going to take any responsibility for that at all absolutely not i'll pat myself on the back okay but i won't take any responsibility those are your one-timers for today thursday february 22nd catching up with chapman is next When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. McClanahan is there. The puck is still loose. 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow up to show. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Unbelievable. Well, if I'm playing that clip, it's pretty evident <laughs> that today is the... 44th anniversary of the miracle on ice. Al Michaels with the iconic call, U.S. defeats the Soviet Union. A lot of people don't remember that the U.S. still had to go out and win one more game, which they did against Finland in the gold medal game at Lake Placid. Herb Brooks, so many great, just when you watch that, it's impossible to not get goosebumps. Miracle, one of the best sports movies ever made again i mean it's 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 fantastic you know and neil broughton a member of that gold medal team mm-hmm. won the stanley cup won the college championship and won a gold medal in the olympics i believe he is the only player in history to have done that oh wow you know what else he did he he was interviewed by uh by frank and i Really? Four years ago. Was it Sexy Voice Frank? Uh, It might have been. Oh, it's great, great. It might have been. I'll have to go back and shout out to Shout out to Jester for tweeting that at us yesterday. Loved it. Ah, Frank, we miss you, buddy. I'm coming up next on the pregame show.